welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name is Ed. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, let's see, to qualify real quick, um, I've been sober since January 1407. Um, uh, my addiction began when I was 10 years old. Saw a magazine in sand, got the adrenaline rush, um, something new, exciting, and different. And that's what I chased after all the 35 years of my addiction. It's always something new, exciting, and different. Um, and I uh, thought the first marriage would save me. It didn't. Uh, thought the second marriage would save me. It didn't. Um, so two divorces. I'm married a third time now. And it's been all in recovery. And, uh, and this program works if I work it. Uh, I got to a point of incomprehensible demoralization that the big book talks about. And that was the turning point for me. Uh, started coming to... Uh, the meetings here in Atlanta at Buckhead meeting uh, drove up from Columbus uh, every Saturday and to our drive one way and um, so uh, I just think it's cute when I hear people say you know can't make it to a meeting because it's 30 minutes away or something like that <laughs> um, and then I, I thought I'd won the award for being the most uh, willing when I was tra- tra- traveling two hours and I heard somebody that to travel three hours so you know, I lost that. <laughs> um, so, uh, what I'm going to talk about today is uh, the topic is um, uh, obstacles to recovery, and this is just my, some of my experience of of what I um, uh, have, what I saw in my own experience uh, with obstacles, because I. I learned about SA 10 years before I came to a meeting, and um, and I was still in my first divorce, so I had to go through, I mean, I preferred in my first marriage, so I had to go through not only one divorce, but two divorces until I finally decided, you know, maybe I need to go to a meeting, and, uh, and I finally did. I got, uh, my first meeting was in December of 05, December the 14th, no, seven, December the 17th of 05, and I didn't go again for about five months. Um, my purpose of going to the meeting was to see how the meetings worked up here so I could start a meeting in Columbus because got two hours, you know, geez. Um, of course, I never did start a meeting because <laughs> the attitude change hadn't happened. Uh, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So um, I um, finally came back and... Uh, and that was in May of '06, and uh, every week I would I would report on Saturday that I was three days sober, one day sober, four days sober, and um, you know never more than a week. And then finally I heard, you know, it finally clicked for me, you know, that lust is the problem. And I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know. And I I could see where I was feeding the lust. Of course, I didn't do anything about that, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then I thought, well, uh, since I know what the problem is, 
I'll, you know, use willpower. Got the shirt. The, yeah, <laughs> very appropriate for that. Um, and uh, I stayed sober for a month and uh, and then acted out. And I thought, well, I just need to, you know, really try this time. Really give it the college try. And I stayed sober for two months. And it, as what we describe in the program, stark raving sober. Uh, I was just crazy. And I remember the night that I had lost my sobriety after that two-month stint. Uh, it was a Monday night. Monday night football was on. I had to have the TV on in the background because I was living by myself and silence was just annoying. As y'all get out. And uh, so uh, it was the Saints and the Falcons playing. And it was the first time that the Saints were back in the Superdome after uh, Katrina. And, and, uh, and there was all that, you know. Uh, and I was watching the game and I remember... Uh, and the computer was in the other room and I remember as I was walking to the computer thinking I don't want to do this I don't want to do this but I had no control whatsoever and and this was after two months of sobriety uh, not working the steps not having a sponsor and uh, acted out and then after that it was when the incomprehensible demoralization happened and, and I felt a complete and utter despair and had a gun in the house and thought about killing myself and uh, the one thing that I remembered is what we say at the end of the meeting keep coming back it works if you work it and that's what rang in my head was that I had not been working it and that's probably the first moment of truth I had you know um, so uh, and I went to bed that night and the dresser or not dresser but the end table or whatever you call it side table uh, where the bed was in arm's reach was where the gun was and I had totally forgotten about it um, it probably didn't occur to me, I guess, till a week later that I had, well, there's a gun there. Um, so um, that's, that, that was the turning point for me. So, uh, But the two things, the two obstacles to recovery I've got written up here on the board uh, are um, half measures. You know, it says half measures of Ellis nothing in the big book. Uh, said another way, uh, nothing is available to us if we have if we do half measures okay um and then the other one of course is old idea um so uh i had the old idea that i could fix this thing on my own um so i have i have written had written this up in in the past and share it with newcomers um but it's 25 things i won't go over the 25 uh i've got about 10 of them that i um wanted to talk about kind of the top ten and uh, the first one is I need to and that falls under the category of half measure uh, you know uh, I need to go to a meeting I need to make a phone call I need to uh, read the literature I need to listen to you know recordings and um, and that's what I used to tell myself I need to do this I need to do that but I never did it you know this is a program of action and I was practicing a program of inaction <laughs> um, so, uh, and that, that's closely related to um, didism, you know. I did all this. I, I did the meetings. I did the reading. I did all this, but I'm still acting out, you know. But it's because I don't have that connection with a higher power. I haven't had that spiritual awakening. Um, and so, um, 
that was that was the first thing that I need to uh, the neatism. Uh, so that falls under half measure. Uh, staying busy. Uh, figured that if I just stayed busy uh, at work, um, work was certainly busy, and still is. Um, or if I stayed busy with church or stayed busy volunteer work or something, that um, that, that would um, keep me uh, away from acting out. And that falls, as I can see it under old idea, um, thinking that um, I can still beat this thing. And that's just an old idea. Obviously, I couldn't. I mean, after 35 years, you know. Um, what do we say in the program? Slow learner, fast forgetter, you know. Um, so, um, but the problem was um, the entire psychic change had not occurred, like the big book says. And uh, there was still this uh, restless, irritable, and discontent condition that I have, uh, which is fueled by the uh, selfishness and self-centeredness, which is the root of my troubles, the big book says. Um, so, uh, even though I stayed busy, life still wasn't going my way. And so eventually, uh, like on that night, that Monday night, you know, I had nothing to do uh, but living by myself and the restless, irritable discontent. Uh, Clancy describes it perfectly. It's like a, a screw and the life is just tightening the screw in my head and it's just tightening and tightening. And eventually, all that pressure just has to... Uh, that needs medicating. My God, yeah. Um, or else I'd go crazy. So um, staying busy didn't work. Didn't work. Um, the next one, yes, but um, God, I get this from sponsees, and I just, you know, um, <laughs> love and tolerance of others is our kind. <clears throat> oh. So that's under old idea. Uh, yes, but you know, you just don't understand my situation. If you if you, you know, walked a mile in my shoes or whatever, you'd understand. Uh, and it's just, you know, an excuse, another excuse, um, that that I'm blaming external conditions, uh, external situations, but it's really my internal condition that needs fixing. And um, so um, finally I was just out of excuses that Monday night. And... Um, um, so anyway, uh, the next one, I don't have time or money to go to meetings. Uh, that falls under half measure. Um, I always had time to act out. I mean, that's just plain and simple of it. And I told that to sponsees and, and they get mad and that's okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not here to, um, my job as sponsor is not to, um, uh, not make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, you know, if I say something that upsets them. Now, at first, I, I had a real problem with that because of my codependency. I, I didn't, you know, if they got mad, I'd back off. You know. But um, I, uh, I, and I had plenty of talks with my sponsor about that. And, uh, you know, realizing that uh, there's there's a human being and, and, and God has put me in their place to help them and... Uh, I'd rather tell them the truth and uh, be able to get them on the path to set them free rather than them die or suffer in misery uh, because I didn't tell them the truth. And, 
And then eventually I'd, I'd hate myself for not telling them the truth. You know, I really should have told them this, you know. And that, that kind of angst needs medicating, so it's not really a healthy thing for me to do anyway. So, um, you know, I always had time and money to act out. And um, so I always have time uh, to go to meetings. And it's just another excuse, uh, blaming external conditions on to try to fix my internal problem uh, without uh, working on my internal problem. Um, so then uh, I'll go to more meetings. I thought, well, that's what I need to do. I need to go to more meetings. And this is before I worked the steps and, and falls under the old idea category. That uh, and the same thing about staying busy and it's part of staying busy. If I if I just go to enough meetings, well, um, I was going to meetings, you know, from May of '06 to uh, when I hit bottom in September of '06, and uh, but I was just as crazy as ever and acting out the whole time. So obviously, uh, meetings weren't working. Uh, it's because again. Uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Nothing changed with me. I didn't have a higher power. Uh, well, I was my higher power. Um, and uh, Bill S. says in Nashville, his sponsor told him, yeah, uh, you need to fire that son of a bitch you call God and get you a new one. And, uh, uh, man, I totally agree with that. I, I told a local guy that uh, he was going into a seminary uh, in a month, and, and he didn't talk to me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and... Uh, and he, uh, he got back with me uh, after a couple of weeks and said, I think you got something there. <laughs> and and I, I was sweating because I was like, man, that, that went against my codependency. It just, it just came out of me, you know. Uh, you hear this stuff enough and it just, uh, it just happens. So, um, so go to more meetings was just an old idea. I, I never had the action. Um, just sitting in meetings is not working the steps, working the program. Um, and, uh, boy, the big one for me, why did I have to be a sexaholic? Um, and that, I heard uh, somebody say, that's really, that's really saying, I wish I could act out and not have any bad feelings about it, is really what I'm saying. So why, did I have to be, why couldn't I have been an alcoholic? Because you know, it's, it's more accepted. You know, and sexaholic, you know, they, they, if you're you know, overheard at a restaurant, you know, grab the kids, there's a sexaholic over there. You know, uh, um, and so uh, and it's you know just not accepted, and then you you know you feel like unclean, unclean. You know, um, so but uh, acceptance, you know, is answered to all my problems today. Accepting that I'm a sexaholic means that uh, I'm accepting my limitations and. Uh, I'm in fact a limited person. I mean, uh, God made me perfectly imperfect, and He didn't say "oops" when He when He did that. You know, um, so I did say that right. Perfectly imperfect. Yeah, I, I messed up before. It said imperfectly perfect. <laughs> but I guess that works too. Anyway, uh, so um, and then you know, also want to have to be a sexaholic. I, it's because I wanted to control and enjoy my, my lusting, my acting out. And I heard somebody say one time, uh, it was really controlling and enjoying me is what it was doing. And that was a big eye-opener. Um, so uh, what is the point of sobriety? 
old idea. Uh, you know, is the point of sobriety just to be sober? Ugh. If that's all it is, I don't want it. Because that's what I did for that one month of sobriety and then the two months of sobriety. I was stark raving sober. I was not, um, I was not, I don't know, quote unquote, happy. I, I wasn't peaceful, okay? I, I didn't have the inner peace that I have the, this day, today. Um, last night, for example, uh, my wife and I went to a seafood restaurant. I won't name it since we're recording. Um, been there before, and um, but last night was bad service. I mean, just completely bad. Uh, food was there getting late. Got some of the food and got some of the other food later. Um, didn't fill our water. Uh, I mean, just the whole round. Then got to the check, and and at first I was like, I saw what was happening, and I was I started to you know feel that you know. All right now, uh, and and I thought, wait a minute, I'm just gonna um, surrender it and just let happen what happens. And I was peaceful throughout the whole thing. Um, we, we were uh, dining with another couple, and the other person, one of the other persons, was uh, really upset about the whole thing. And I, I said, you know, it's really about expectations. Yeah, if I if I expect to have perfect service, then and it doesn't meet with that, then there's going to be a problem. <laughs> okay, but I'd already let go of expectations, and um, so I um, I was just letting happen what happened, and and really I was kind of expecting it to be all bad. It's like, well, this is going to be bad. That's might as well, you know, I, I'm not going to be surprised now, <laughs> you know. But but I was really um, I was praying for the guy too, and I, it wasn't that I was just practicing some. Psycho Bible. I was actually praying to my higher power, taking action again, um, be, because um, I don't have the power within myself. It's God that gives me the power. So um, it's like the Big Book says: we could we could want to be philosophically comforted, but the needed power wasn't there. You know, um, I love all the the slogans we have, but if I don't have the power to back it up, um, I'm screwed. Yeah. You know? um, so the point of sobriety is that no matter what externally happens, I'm going to be internally okay. Now, there's another situation that came up about two weeks ago. Uh, my wife had an ultrasound and um, of her thyroid, and it doesn't look good. Um, she's having a biopsy in a couple of weeks, and I'm taking it one day at a time. Um, at first, that was quite a blow and I've been checking it in with folks and and you know my very first thought was why is God doing this to me and that's just an old idea you know that God is picking on me my my daughter has cerebral palsy and 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 I thought that God gave her cerebral palsy this is before I worked the program uh, I thought my daughter or I thought God gave my daughter cerebral palsy as a punishment to me for acting out all those years and and um Man, what a good reason to get rid of that God, right? <laughs> um, and so, um, but you know, it's that old it's that old idea that comes popping up every once in a while, and it's like my default is negative, you know. And I have to, I have to uh, pray and get it reset, and make a call and work the steps. Um, 
So just taking it one day at a time, but my internal condition is okay. Um, I have, I heard somebody say one time, his sponsor said, uh, what you really want is inner peace. And, and the guy said, yeah, how did you know? You know, and man, I could so identify with that. Um, and that's what I've got today, no matter what the external condition is. Same with last night. And, and it was amazing. At the end of the meal, when they gave us a check, he, poor guy, I, I wanted to counsel him and say, maybe this is not your line of work, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in HR, but man, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, uh, he, he mixed up our bills and, and their, their bill was more than mine. And so I, I got up and went straight to the manager and I wasn't angry, but it was a, it was a self-preservation thing so that I could maintain my serenity, you know. And because obviously this, this situation was the problem and the solution was to get a higher power. Go figure, right? Um, so I got the manager and, and he fixed it up because I, I wasn't going to go back to the guy. I mean, he had already screwed it up once and I didn't have a lot of faith in him. So, I mean, that was just our program in action right there, you know. Um, actually, I just saw that. So that's kind of cool. Um, so the point of sobriety is inner peace. Uh, there's a guy in our program that talked about, uh, uh, well, at least I'm not as bad as I used to be. And I'm not doing all this crazy stuff. And I said, yeah, but do you hate yourself still? And and he said, well, yeah, you got me on that. And And that's the thing. I don't hate myself anymore uh, I've got that inner peace and and it worked out last night and, and I, I told my wife after the thing I said weren't you proud of me I, I didn't get upset and yeah you know I'm expecting you know a ticker tape parade you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know I'll take what I can get <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the point of sobriety is inner peace uh, the connection with the higher power that actually works um I wish I could wave a magic wand and be free of this addiction. Oh, my God, did I do that? And I hear that all the time. Um, half measuring, that's all it is. Um, and um, and that's what kind of what I was doing when I was coming to the meetings, was just hoping some kind of magic would, would come to me and I would be healed and I wouldn't have to go to the meetings anymore. Uh, or, you know, something, mag- you know, throw some magic dust on me or something. I mean, give me a, you know, throw me a bone. But it didn't work, obviously. Um, so that that was just half measuring. I, did, I didn't want to do the work, basically. Um, and uh, let's see. Two, two more, and then I'll open it up uh, or turn it back to you, Chris. Um, I love my wife, but uh, I, um, when I worked the steps, I wasn't married, but I was... Um, dating my now wife and I thought that you know she's just the best thing since sliced bread and and, and she's pretty incredible Um, but and I hear this from sponsees you know I love my wife and 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 so I ask him well if you love your wife but then you know you're with the prostitute how does that how does that work you know Uh, because the literature says lust killed love so, I really don't know what love is. 
uh, I have to take the actions of love to find out what love is. You know, and I'm I'm learning more and more, but there's that default in me. I read I read something the other day that said uh, my default is self destruction, and man, I whoa, I could relate to that. Uh, and my default is to be divorced. Really, I mean, I've done it twice. That's my default. To be married now for seven years. I mean, that's just incredible. You know, and it's a good marriage too. You know, my wife sends sends me I love you texts and uh, and cards and and said earlier you know I'm very proud of you I didn't I didn't get that from my first two wives I guarantee you that and and uh, so uh, and then and that goes too with making uh, my wife my higher power uh, I was guilty of that in early recovery uh, again it goes back to the people pleasing you know and. I had to make her happy, and if she was happy, then okay, but I wasn't happy. And um, uh, I just, I had to get a better higher power, and uh, one that that actually worked. And um, I can't explain it, you know. Uh, and usually that's the, that's the hallmark of a good, solid spiritual connection when you can't really explain it, you know. Uh, same with spiritual experiences. When somebody says, "Yeah, I had a spiritual experience and A, B, and C happened," well, that's I think that's crap. Uh, maybe maybe to a point. But when you when you get somebody and they say, "I just really can't explain it," you know, this happened, but this word just doesn't fit it. Listen to that because that that's a real spiritual experience, and that's kind of what happened to me that night that uh, I had acted out, and I, and the two words I well three words I said, "God, please help me." God, please. Forwards? No. Um, and um, so, and and I felt this incredible peace, and I don't remember much else, but I remember that, and and just really again can't explain it. So, um, and that's a power that works. I I haven't had that experience with my wife uh, or with any other person. That just happened with. Me and God. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then the last one I've got that I was going to talk about, um, it falls under half measure. At least I'm not doing such and such. And I mentioned that earlier. Um, at least I'm not um, going to prostitutes anymore. It's only online pornography. Or at least I'm not uh, doing this, even though I'm doing this. And again, you know. Um, but do you still hate yourself? You know, um, and you know if you do, then maybe that needs to change. Um, you know, I don't hate myself anymore. Um, Bill S. mentioned this on a talk. He said, and this is true for me. Uh, I don't wake up in the morning thinking how I'm going to manipulate the day so I can act out. I don't wake up in the morning so I'm going to manipulate the day so that I'm going to throw willpower on. The fact that I don't want to act out today, it just—that's not my first thought when I wake up. My first thought is um, the serenity prayer, usually, you know, because that's just what I go to even multiple times during the day. And um, so, uh, not always the serenity prayer. I mean, sometimes it's my, maybe something from work, and then I have to maybe my second thought is the serenity prayer, you know. But I, it's not. It's not anymore how I'm going to not act out that day. 
uh, how I'm going to try to not make myself act out that day or how I'm going to manipulate the day so I can't act out. But that thought doesn't come to me, and I'm grateful for that. The mental obsession has been removed. Um, and um, I think that's all I had. Now, if y'all have um, some other things that fall under these two categories, or if you can think of a third, you know, that's cool too. Um, I just thought of in terms of the big book, those two really stood out to me um, of what the big book says. Um, but if y'all have any others, let me know. So, thanks. Right, we're going to turn it. Thanks, Ed. Um, so, so we'll open the floor up. Um, I'm going to ask people to come up here to either, you know, Q&A or, you know, share what your experience is on old ideas, half measures, obstacles to recovery. Um, I will mention that... Um, we have no dues or, dues or fees, but we do have expenses, and with uh, uh, meetings like these, we do have expenses, so I was going to pass the, the seventh tradition basket and just whatever you feel you can put in. Um, uh, you know, we hope that this series, uh, Intergroup, started this, and, and Ed's been a big help, too, by posting them. Uh, we'll, we'll say the website at the end of the recording. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you can help us out. This is part of what the seventh tradition goes for, is for stuff like this, to carry the message. And uh, that's what we're trying to do today. Really appreciate everybody that stayed. And the floor is open. So just come up here and speak up so you, the recorder catches you. So. I'm Mike. I'm a sexaholic. I'm Mike. Uh, I could certainly put one under half measures that I've experienced in the last uh, couple of months really strongly is at two years of sobriety, I found myself taking my foot off the gas and just coasting. I wasn't picking up any of our literature to read it. The only time I heard the words was in meetings. And uh, I just had my little routine I got into every day that I called recovery work, and part of it was. But that half measure started uh, creeping up on me really silently, and my program was really starting to slip. And my relapse was on its way to happening. And uh, thankfully, I have a very astute uh, uh, sponsor who, who recognized it and called me on it and helped me with it, and we worked through it, and, and I didn't relapse. But were it not for that, I, I'm, I feel confident I would have. So for me, a half measure or a full measure would be I have to I have to pick up our books and read something every day in addition to everything else I do. Thanks. My name is Dave Varr, sexaholic. And um, one of my old ideas was uh, basically that, you know, God's like a referee in my life, you know, and I uh, went to school in a Catholic school and a Christian school and just had a lot of religious influences and um i always felt like i was on standby you know and god might throw me a bone every now and then but usually he was he was there to throw the penalty flag you know and um and it kind of messed me up uh throughout my life because i realized that i couldn't really do that good my default like was just shared um my default's negative uh my default's self-centeredness um my default is not really positive 
And, um, you know, one of my old ideas, like I was saying with that, uh, with God being the referee, um, really crystallized itself when, um, When, when my first son was born, um, he had a defect uh, called hypospadia. And um, for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, it's basically a, a defect of the penis where the just being candid the pee hole is not on the tip of the penis and um, you know what I when I found that out that was the penalty flag that took me out of the game. And, uh, I just felt like he was waiting for that. You know, he was waiting for, keep acting out, Dave, keep acting out. And then he did that. And, uh, and, you know, I've held on to that for a while. And, um, I let that old idea go, and I, I said, you know, God loves me more than that, and you know, if if I fall and break a toe, it doesn't mean God's punishing me. If, you know, there's traffic on 400, it doesn't mean God's punishing me. You know, I have all these thoughts that just, God's punishing me for something, and uh, I've been relieved from that, and you know, I've never shared my wife and I she kind of contributed and we kept it a secret and no one ever knew that and it was all this guilt and shame you know no one knows about God's punishment in my life and uh and I've been freed from that that old idea that God's the referee I almost feel like he's my coach now you know and he's able to support me he's able to guide me so uh I'm just grateful for that and I'm grateful for the program so thanks for letting me share Pillar, SA, Sex Is it is it proper for me to ask you something, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, my question for you, Ed, is um, describe for, for us what bottom you hit that um, that really resonated with you to the point where you finally got your head out of your ass and you really started being willing and cooperating. And you really started to recover after that. That's where I am right now. Yeah. Um, what was that for you? Well, yeah, I mentioned it before, the, um, where I tried to stay sober uh, without working the steps and or having a sponsor. And uh, I, But I was still wanting things to work my way, um, upset when things didn't go my way, and it was just that continual, I mean, having to live under that 
without a medicator, that was that was miserable. See, my problem is sobriety, you know. Uh, but now I'm sober and I'm happy, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, being being sober but not having a higher power that worked because of working the steps. Um, that that was when it just finally had become sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I hope that helped. Yep, that a lot. I'm Chris from Sex Talk. Chris. Um, yeah, I was just looking at the word half measures, and it made me think there's a lot of me in half measures. Um, you know, because when I'm doing half measures, I think when I'm going, and, and it touches on the, on the other category there, old, old ideas, I'm going back to that old idea where I'm bargaining with God. I don't want to go all in. You know, I think of the poker analogy where you just slide all the chips. And for me, I was joking with somebody, this has been years ago, you know, all those 24-hour all those chips. I need to just slide them all in. And, um, you know, the literature says we need to let go absolutely. And if I'm doing a half measure, I'm bargaining with God usually. It's like, yeah, I'll give you this, but this I'm keeping for me. And I can't keep anything. Uh, you know, uh, until we let go absolutely, and I think the letting go absolutely is turning over 100% everything to God, and and obviously that's that would be perfection, and you know I'd be walking on water or something, but I need to strive for that every day, and I think there's many days where I try try not to. I'm still going back to that bargaining and trying to okay, you know, trade with God. Here, I'll give you this. But this I'm going to keep. You know, and and slowly, you know, what will happen with me is one for you, two for me. One for you, three for me, you know, and then one for, well, no, I'm going to keep that one for myself, too. And then, and then you know, uh, everything's gone to hell. So thanks for letting me share. I'm Jason. I'm a sexaholic. I want to share uh, one old idea that I've had since I was real little. My parents divorced and I thought I was the rescuer. I was the peacemaker. Um my uh, sister would often, when we'd get back from my dad's house, just go at my mom, and I felt like it was my job. I had the power. Uh, in a way, crossing that God boundary, I had that power to, or I should have the power, to um, make things right. Um, yeah, I had to realize that's an old idea. I'm, I'm not God. Um, thank God. <laughs> um, I have a higher power. Just um, and, and I fall into that that trap still to this day. Um, I feel like I need to come up with the answers. Um, I'll be talking with people on the phone in the fellowship, and they'll be sharing something. And I feel like, well, I got to come up with an answer. You know, I like freak out. Like I need to solve this. Um, so that's just an old idea. And then I want to want to also share a half measure I'm going through in my step work um, with step eight and step nine. Um, um, I wrote a letter. Um, to my uh, sister who's passed away and um, you know my sponsor recommended that I, I you know put it on the grave you know or maybe that could be a good thing and I'm like well it's in Ohio Can't, that's way too far um, I feel like that's kind of a half measure um, and then another one is there's a couple of people that have harmed um, that, that have been on the indirect amends but it should probably be direct amends but I'm like I don't know where they are there's no way. How am I going to find? I know I, I could probably put a little more effort into that, 
trying to find them and uh, making them in. So it's definitely a half measure. My name is Ken. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'd like to tie kind of two concepts together from, from the meeting we had earlier and from Ed's uh, talk today, and that has to deal with surrender in my own personal experience. Um, I, too, have been married twice. I'm not yet on my third marriage. Um, uh, my first marriage um, failed as a result of my sex addiction, my acting out, my self-centeredness, my uh, just lack of attention to anything that didn't have to do with pleasing myself. Um, neither my wife nor my son. Um, and, and I can remember uh, a number of instances to this day that scare the living daylights out of me at risks that I took whilst I was with my son. Um, that I, I just cannot believe that I was of the mind to be able to do that at that point in time. Well, we got divorced, um, and it was a non-contentious uh, divorce, not what I would call a friendly divorce, but, um, you know, we never, uh, my ex-wife and I, uh, used uh, the other as a weapon to uh, discredit or fight or whatever the other parent. So I'm extremely grateful for, for God giving us both that gift. Um, my second marriage um, happened 10 years later, and I am about to get divorced from her at the end of the year. We agreed at the beginning of this year um, that for... Um, our mutual benefit and for the individual health of each of us that we were better apart as friends than as a married couple. As a sponsor I once had used to say, ducks don't marry chickens. Um, and, and she has her own baggage that she brought into our relationship and of course uh, my bag is very heavy with um, my sex addiction um, and um, concept surrender comes in when uh, I think about the number of times I have um, talked absolutely openly honestly frankly with her about the nature of my addiction I've never kept anything secret from her as far as my sex addiction goes. Um, she comes from a family background of addiction, so she has kind of a, a better understanding of the effects of addiction than maybe most people do. Um, but she has been overly patient with me because... I'm one of those guys that would grab these little, um, not necessarily 24-hour, but, you know, three weeks, four weeks, two months, four months at a time of sobriety, and then something, some emotional event um, or something would occur in my life 
that would trigger me, and I would I would resort to that that comfort, that false comfort that I used to get from acting out. Um, and my form of acting out was compulsive masturbation to pornography. Um, it's really the only form of acting out I have. I've just done it three or four million times. Um, but I guess the point uh, of, of this surrender, uh, telling the truth to my higher power, telling the truth to my sponsor, being open and honest with my life, has led to um, one of the most loving um, heart departures, the leaving of a marital relationship that I could possibly imagine. It, it truly is a blessing. Um, we get along better now. We, we are more honest with each other now. We share more with each other now. We talk more with each other now. And I'm fully confident that our relationship, our deep emotional friendship will continue uh, well beyond the time at which we get divorced. And um, it, it is only because uh, I surrendered uh, my uh, need to be in control to my higher power that he has given me this ability to um, be empathetic, be understanding, and and be uh, truly loving to her, um, even though uh, I find myself in a situation which Ed talked about in the White Book. Um, fantasy has corrupted my real, and lust has killed my love. But but that's not the end of the day for me. I mean, I believe that God will give me another chance so long as I say, stay faithful to him and to the program and stay connected to uh, my fellow sufferers in the program. Thank you for letting me share. Rich P. Great for recovering sexaholic. And I have a two-part question for you. When did you know you found a higher power, and how do you know you're doing God's will now? Thanks. Wow, oh, those are good. Stump the chump. How did I know I found a higher power? Um, when my, my first higher power was the group. And uh, because in in the group I got unconditional love and unconditional acceptance, <clears throat> and really that, and I really enjoyed the fellowship after the meeting, and uh, and that's what I kept. I was thinking the other day, what kept me coming back all that time, you know? Uh, even though I was hating myself the whole time, it was the fellowship. Uh, but again, I wasn't taking action, you know. I was just it was a feel good kind of thing. Um, so uh, it's almost like I got this shot that worked for a few days you know, that, that I got on Saturday and it worked for a few days and then boom, it, the effectiveness was gone. Um, so uh, the higher power at first was the group because of the unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. And, you know, it says in the white book, we were home. You know, that's, man, when, 
when the two guys took me out to uh, introduce me to the program, you know, and one told their story, and where he left off, the other one took up, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I have nothing. I mean, you told my story, you know, and and I felt like I would never be able to tell the stuff, and they were just, you know, saying it all. Um, I don't know when it changed over to uh, God of my upbringing, but and I, you know, I couldn't say when the uh, switch was flipped, but it did, and uh, but it's still. It's still the God of, of love and and positivity rather than negativity. I heard somebody at work the other day talking about um, something called judgment journey or something. And it, it's one of those shock and awe kind of things that, you know, which is effective. I mean, it, it works, you know. We don't have a monopoly on God, you know. The big book tells me that. Uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> no. Uh, but that's that's it does a way to scare you and, and make you realize that hey you know you're walking down a bad path um, and they were talking about that I'm I wanted to say so much but I knew it wouldn't they wouldn't listen that hey I, I like to focus on like the God of love and the one that, that loves me unconditionally even though I've been through all that stuff and uh, and it was there the whole time, even in the worst. You know, it's like Harvey says, um, what is it? Uh, now that you're working the program, uh, God, how does he say it? Uh, it must be hog ass wild about you now. Yeah, yeah, you know? Uh, so, something about uh, uh, now that you're working the program, God must be hog ass wild about you now. I forget the exact phrase, but it's really cute. And yeah, but really, God's been there the whole time. And uh, and wow, who, what human would not give up on you? You know, including our wife or family or whatever. Um, so the other thing about how am I know I'm doing God's will now? Um, well, um, when a call comes in, I take it. Uh, anything to do with recovery uh, I sometimes get calls in the middle of the night and I take them uh, it might take me a minute or two to wake up you know but uh, and, and and I got a text message last night real late and, and I replied to that and was willing to uh, to talk to him over the phone I asked him if he wanted to so that's that's one of those things uh, to ask a guy uh, if he wants to go out to dinner on the nights that we don't have a meeting uh, that's God's will uh, well work in the steps obviously um, and uh, and you know my sponsors told me more than once take the actions and the feelings will follow and man that has saved me more times than I can think of because uh, there's times and I I just don't feel like going to the meeting, you know. And or there's times when, oh God, I'm, that's right, I've got this call with a sponsor, oh, you know. And and uh, you know, it's just that that old idea that. Um, and so, doing God's will is taking those calls even though I don't want to, or making the calls even though I don't want to. Um, so, anything related to recovery, 
not sobriety, recovery, um, is doing God's will, I think. Does that help? Okay. Charles O. I'm a sexaholic. So I got something the other week. I basically just dismissed it, more or less. But you must surrender the fact that you aren't satisfied with what you have and what you've accomplished. None of that matters. Listen to God. So I wrote myself this note and was like, oh, I'll think about that later. And then I archived the email, didn't ever think about it until this meeting. Um, you know, and I feel like that's, you know, I, like I'm an entrepreneur kind of guy. I like to pride myself on doing that. I like to pride myself in uh, seeing the world in a different way and seeing problems and solving them and, you know, being creative and innovative and all that stuff. I, I kind of wrap part of my identity in that. But, um, and to some degree, it served me well, you know, had some measure of success. But, uh, in other ways, it destroys me. Uh, not sure exactly what to do about that, but you know, other than be willing and you know, start working the steps more effectively, or just start working the steps. Period. And you know, so I'm trying to head in that direction. Um, and one other thing that's probably an old idea is, you know, God is this all-powerful guy. You know, thing, entity. Take it. You can take this. Please take this. I don't know how many times I've prayed that. Just take this from me right now. Please. I think I've got a lot of work to do. He will. I hope. Thanks. Thanks. My name is Chuck. I'm a sexaholic. I want to thank you for, for uh, your talk today. And I think one of the things that got uh, that touched me the most is the inner peace. Um, <clears throat> before I, I relate to that, a um, couple ideas that you have up there is the old ideas and half measures. Uh, you know, I was lucky when I came into the program in that in my second meeting. Uh, somebody came up to me and said you need a sponsor and I said okay and he said call me tomorrow and I called him and he qualified me and he said alright be at my house Thursday we'll start working the steps <clears throat> and we did we start working the steps and about the fourth week or so we just finished the fourth step I was out of town we were you know, on the phone and I called him for the fifth step and he said well I have to fire myself you need a new sponsor because he acted out anyway long story short uh, I got a a new sponsor when I got back to town and continued working the steps and uh, I did a lot of things like my sponsor said right you know I completed the steps I sponsored a lot of people I did a lot of service work uh, but the old idea was that I thought I could do it alone I didn't have to check in with him every day in fact I rarely called him and uh, took a lot of calls every day and I figured that was enough. In fact, when I take the calls, I rarely even shared what was going on with me. I can handle this, you know. I don't want to bother my sponsor. He's at work. I don't want to do this, or I don't want to make that call, because all the old ideas that that eventually, after 
three years of sobriety bit me in the ass because then I got resentful and then I started going back looking at pornography on the computer and uh, I reset my sobriety. And when I called my sponsor, he said, you know, you related, you did all these things right, but you never did check in with me on a regular basis. Well, the half measure is I still don't check with him on a regular basis. In fact, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I was down in Jacksonville and went to a meeting and uh, uh, at the check-in, I got there a little late because I got lost and all, and, and, I, and they said uh, I was checking in and telling my sobriety date and all, and, and they said, well, when was the last time you talked to your sponsor? I had talked to him two days before, luckily. And I said, you know, I talked to him a couple days ago. And I thought, this is a great idea. I'm going to bring it back to my home group so that it keeps me accountable because I don't do that on a regular basis. And uh, in fact, I saw him at, at a meeting this morning, another meeting, and uh, uh, I apologized because he's been struggling this week that I hadn't checked in with him. All right. Those are the old ideas and the half measures that I've been doing. However, the good news is, is that I've been on a really good spiritual journey lately. Uh, and the spiritual journey uh, has helped me to understand what my higher power wants me to do. He wants me to forget about my pride. for not checking in with my sponsor and thinking everybody's too busy and all that kind of baloney and uh, concentrate and pray for patience for wisdom and humility and if I do that uh, that helps me really get into a good place a good good position and it gives me that inner peace the inner peace is glorious there is nothing like it to be present for my family for my friends, for my uh, other people in the program, to be present for God, for me to listen to the God of my higher, of my understanding, is really the inner peace I've been looking for my whole life. It took me 65 years to, to realize what was missing in my life. And uh, fortunately, uh, my wife and I recently celebrated our 50th anniversary and that's a lot to say because for you fellows that have had gone through divorces, I've had a saint that I'm married to and she put up with my acting out for some 40 some years uh, I've been blessed with that uh, I just hope that uh, I can continue and I'm not perfect with it because uh, I'm always screwing up with her I'm always trying to be controlling with her and when I make an amend, she says, oh, I don't want to hear it. You know, the reality is I've heard you saying you're sorry for 50 years now. But um, she keeps giving me that, that next opportunity to do the next right thing. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, all right. Let's see here. <clears throat> well, um... Alex, sex, uh, uh, sex, uh, 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 Alec. Um, and for, for myself, um, yeah, for, let's see, uh, for, uh, half, uh, measures, um, 
see. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm fine with uh, my higher power. Um, um, I can say, you know, I can say yes, uh, but um, uh, um, uh, in some of my uh, conversations, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, with, with uh, my higher power, um, <clears throat> um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's um, an area, um, an area uh, that, um, yeah, I, I need to look uh, more closely, uh, or I need to uh, pay uh, attention, you know, to, to that. Where, where am I uh, doing that? Um, um, and I guess another um, area, um, area, area uh, let's see, um, um, it, well, is it, to uh, think that I, uh, I know, um, you know, uh, this or that about the program. You know, I, I got this. You know, I know the program. Uh, uh, so sometimes um, I can, you know, um, yeah, kind of just uh, justify. Um, um, say, well, I, um, you know, I don't uh, really need to do uh, uh, this, or I, I don't really need to do uh, that, you know. Um, um, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, and I, and I think um, uh, one area uh, where, um, where, where that comes up, you know, I, I think is uh, tardiness. Um, uh, tardiness, uh, you know, to like coming to uh, uh, meetings, um, uh, uh, and thinking that well, you know, I I um, um, I, I know, um, you know, those uh, readings, you know, that they read at the beginning, you know, uh, of the meeting. Um, so I, I don't really need to, you know, get, um, you know, they're on time to hear of that because, you know, I, I kind of know that, you know. Um, uh, so, but, you know, um, that's um, uh, really, really, um, um, you know, I think it's, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, well, yeah, really, uh, pridefulness, um, uh, 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 an ego, uh, ego, um, uh, 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 the, yeah, really the, uh, uh, yeah, uh, pridefulness, you know, arrogance, uh, kind of creeping in, uh, there. Um, uh, let me see, and, um, yeah, and I think, um, lastly, uh, uh, lastly, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I can think, well, um, I'm uh, uh, doing a good uh, enough, you know. Um, uh, and I think the, um, uh, you know, oh, uh, they say a good is the enemy of, of the best, you know, uh, and... And sometimes I can just say, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'm doing good uh, enough. You know, I don't need to really do a better, you know, over here. And, um, um, so anyway, but 
So those are, um, yeah, those, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess those are um, examples, um, uh, yeah, of uh, half uh, uh, measures and how they have like crept into my program. Um, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> let me see. Um, uh, but you know, I, I you know the uh, I guess the um, uh, solution um, is to um, you know to uh, I think it is partly to um, uh, to not uh, um, you know uh, um, uh, well uh, uh, to to can. Uh, continue um, to uh, make the effort to do my uh, best, you know, and um, uh, so anyway, um, I'll never, you know, be uh, perfect, you know, I, I know of uh, that, um, um, but anyway, um, I, I guess I just kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, knowing the areas. I mean, that's that's part of the solution. You know, I need to know where I, I need to still uh, uh, grow. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, but you know, um, yeah, I'm grateful. Um, yeah, that we uh, are doing uh, this uh, today. Um, so until I get it right, you know, uh, yeah, I will just continue to, you know, to come uh, come back and, you know, uh, and uh, you know, I think in some areas try try to do a, a better. Uh, so thanks, uh, appreciate it. Tracy Sexholic, um, I got a lot of old ideas, a lot of half measures. Um, one of them that's just come up recently is a lot of the resentment uh, that I did not recognize that um, that I had that needed to be addressed. And um, I guess that would be old ideas that, that putting on the cool facade, the cool front. Um, you know, if you have resentment towards someone, that means you have something you have to work on. And if you have to work on something, that means that you're defective. And when you have a perfectionistic attitude, that just doesn't go together. So... I've had to address some of those recently and um, address perfectionism and address arrogance and haughtiness that um, some of you have brought up. Um, another um, old attitude or old idea is that I was smart enough to handle this. Um, I was a classic overachiever and I overachieved and handled all the other controversy in my life. I can also handle this. And unfortunately, I was an overachiever at being a sex addict. I was a really good sex addict. <laughs> and uh, I was really good at covering up. And the biggest cover-up of my life was fooling myself with that idea that I was smart enough. I got into SA, and we're from Macon, and we've got a, probably a group of maybe 10 or 12 regulars in Macon. Well, four of those 12 have PhDs. So, smarts, <laughs> smarts don't mean a thing. <laughs> Education does not mean a thing. And um, I, I came up with a phrase the other day in, that's typical of my life. The more I learn, the dumber I become. 
because I'm learning about myself and I realize how stupid I am. And and that's what I, I need to be knocked down off of my high horse. Thanks. I'm Dan. I'm a addicted to lust in pornography and masturbation. Uh, I appreciate the, the two topics. Um, first is the one about old ideas. Um, I noticed that in my life just recently, I've kind of known this for a while, but it just kind of hit me about a week ago. Um, God just doesn't tend to do things quickly in my life. And I always have wanted it to be quickly. I didn't graduate high school on time. Didn't graduate. And when I say on time, I mean quote unquote time. I didn't graduate college on time. You know, I'm not married yet. I just graduated grad school. Everything seems to take forever. Um, And, you know, and I've applied that that perspective to my... um, my addiction, you know, I want it to, I know up here, I know in my brain, like, it's going to take a little while, you, you got to, you swim, swim out into the middle of a lake, you know, you have to swim back, it's not, you can't just magically appear right back on, on the shore, um, and, uh, but I want it, I want it to be, I want to, quote unquote, get it on with my life, to get this over with, get it done with, and um, what I realized is that, or what I am in the process of realizing is that the um, it's going to take a long time, if only because God just tends to work in my life in that, in that way, um, and as well as, you know, it's okay that it takes a long time. I can, quote-unquote, get on with my life and do this at the same time. I don't have to, I don't have to wait until this is resolved, as it were, to be happy, joyous, and free. Something that I will, I will um, continue to uh, work on, I guess, the rest of my life. And... One thing that I tell folks a, a lot of times is that, um, oh, that just slipped my mind. Didn't go there, but I'll bring that back up, I guess, if I remember that. Um, at any rate, another another old idea that I have is regarding expectations. And a lot of people say, you know, don't have expectations. And I personally don't have anything wrong with expectations. What I, what I, my issue is with believing that I deserve a specific outcome as a result of those expectations. Um, and that's what has got... that. I, going through my fourth step a few weeks ago, I realized that a lot of my resentments are because, um, are because I believed I deserved to be treated a certain way and the person that I was resentful toward did not treat me that way, whether it was a past employer a past girlfriend, uh, my parents, uh, um, whomever, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they acted correctly. It's just that, um, or that I would have been 
non-resentful towards them had I not had certain expectations to them. I think it, for me personally, it, it's okay to expect your boss to act professionally towards you. Um, and yet, uh, my resentments were born out of the fact that when he didn't, I thought I deserved that for him to act professionally towards me. I thought I, I deserved for my girlfriend to not break up with me um, in the manner that she broke up with me. And that's where my resentments were, were born out of. Um, and ha- <laughs> the way that I think I got to that understanding or began to realize that it was I was at a I was at a um, a restaurant fast food they make a sandwich and the guy was just the guy that was there was just I don't I don't know what was going on with him that day but he was not giving me the space I needed to be, to be able to make the decision and I felt very pressured and very rushed and I was the only one in the restaurant um, and I just kind of got fed up and I walked out um, I was like I don't want to say anything bad you know wrong to this guy I'm just I'm just I don't want I don't want that strife and then he said well don't come back <laughs> And I was like, I was like, and that's just that, you know, <laughs> like, okay. And I have this expectation for people in the food service to, to kind of eat it. Because I was a server for five and a half years. I've worked in restaurants for a very long time, and that's what you do. Uh, you don't make comments like that. And there's a part of me that was like, thought I deserved to have to be treated a little bit better than that. And I walked back in. Did you just say don't come back? He was like, Yeah, that's what I said. And so uh, he's like, Yeah, I don't. You don't come back. So I asked him for his name and he didn't give it to me and I asked him for his store number and he didn't give it to me and I asked him for the corporate number and he didn't give it to me and so I had to look all that stuff up. And I made a phone call um, and they didn't call me back. Um, And I think that was a good thing because it allowed me to cool down a little bit. I didn't say, you know, I didn't respond to, to him the way that I might have two years ago. But um, I still responded within my addiction, within my addiction that causes me to believe that I deserve to be treated a certain way. And so um, I went to a group that night and shared that. And uh, I mean, I'm sad that, you know, that that interaction happened, but I don't resent the man. I don't resent the guy, the, the, the corporate for not calling back or empathizing with me or saying that he was so wrong and giving me a free sandwich I mean I let it go and um, but what what that situation really helped me figure out was I had this old idea that I deserved that um, I deserve to be treated a certain certain way and if I don't get it even if they even if they were wrong you know then that made it me even more morally 
justified to feel the way that I did, you know, if my boss didn't um, treat me the way I did, if he was a bona fide jerk, man, that was even, that made it even worse for me, because that just doubled the resentment, Um, and just so, that's been really good for me to to look at those old ideas and say, uh, you know, I don't have to think that like that anymore. As far as half measures are concerned, that this is something that's really hard for me because I'm sure some of you may um, relate to this, is um, just being somewhat of a perfectionist. Everything is a half measure for me. You know, unless I'm giving, you know, 24 hours a day to the recovery, I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, I, didn't, I went to one meeting today but I could go to three, you know? And it's easy for me to get down on myself, say, well, was that a half measure? And part of that, I think, is my addiction and um, just a way of thinking that I've uh, kind of been, I think, raised into is that I'm not enough and I'll never be enough and there's nothing I can do that's ever going to be enough. And so I think that's one reason why I struggle with this concept of half measures, because it, it, it makes sense to me. At the same time, it's, it's difficult, um, because I feel like everything is a half measure. And I'm only sharing that not because I've figured out anything on how to, how to um, deal with that, only because that's just, I wanted to share where I am with that right now. So, thanks for letting me share. You got to close it up. Yeah, but okay. we have maybe more time for one more. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I was going to... Sh- go ahead. No? No, no come on up. Uh, I was just going to share real quick um, that um, I, I'm 53 years old and I'm going back to college to get my bachelor's degree. And uh, it's only because of this program that, uh, you know, the old idea was, you know, it's too late. It's... Um, you know, what am I going to do with a bachelor's degree? And seriously, and I'm going to be 60 years old probably when I graduate. I'm a senior now, but I can only take one course a semester because of my workload. Um, so what am I going to do with a degree when I'm 60? I'm going to have a degree. I'm going to start, I'm going to finish something I started that my addiction took away when I was back then. And, um, and you know, I'm either going to be, well, hopefully, uh, I'm either going to be 60 and not have a degree or 60 and have a degree. Why not have a degree? So, thanks. Um, my name is Steve. I'm a sexaholic. And I just really wanted to come up and thank Ed for um, doing this. And to say, I, I love Ed because every once in a while my ass is falling off and I can pick up the phone and call Ed. I know he'll just listen. And um, he's non judgmental. He's loving, and uh, and then he'll think of something to share, and 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 we'll have a great conversation. And um, and I was thinking, you know, that's kind of a lot like my higher power. He's just there, and he's non-judgmental. And um, uh, I had a question for Ed, which was, you kind of started to talk about, you know, um, at first your higher power was the group, and um, then eventually you found a more um, existential form of higher power. I don't know if you'd be willing to talk some about how you found the higher power you have today and um, and how that's changed and grown and developed. 
Um, because for me, one of my old ideas was that, you know, God was limited by religion. Uh, well, I think an old idea was higher power had to be God as I understood him when I was six years old, um, which was a picture of a man on a cloud uh, with a long white beard pointing his finger, kind of a combination between Superman and Santa Claus. Um, uh, the Pope just recently said God is not a magician. He doesn't have a wand, and he waves it. And that was kind of what I, I didn't you know, think about that then, but I expected God to be a magician. And, you know, he was either going to do the trick for me or not. Um, and, um, and then the half measures were, you know, praying for God to take it without me being willing to give it to him. Um, this program taught me that, that I had to be willing to give it up, not just wait for God to remove it from me without me doing anything. And... Um, Anyway, I'll leave it at that. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, um, there's this story about this prodigal son. And um, and I'd read that before, but this part where it says that when the son's coming up, and I can see the 12 steps in this whole story, but the son's coming up after he's hit bottom and and he's coming back, and he's prepared the speech of me, and he's going to make amends to his dad. And... The father, when he sees him, runs out to him. So that tells me the father was looking for him the whole time. Uh, wow. <laughs> and not only that, but the father runs to the son. And then uh, the son's given his uh, amends, and the father interrupts him. And then the son doesn't even finish it. And he's talking about, you know, we need to go out for fellowship. Let's let's build up this you know meal and, and celebrate and um, and so whatever I focus on increases uh, I can focus on the negative it's going to increase I focus on the positive it's going to increase so I think about that's kind of my go-to thing is thinking of um, God loves me that much that he would run to me and who am I I mean my God you know uh, and uh, but I'm you know God didn't say oops when he made me um, so I focus on that then I start focusing on other uh, anything I read anything kind of spiritual stuff I read and, and it just builds up from there um, and I don't know if y'all know the um, <clears throat> the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes well Hobbes you know is an imaginary uh, well it's, it's, it's a tiger stuffed animal but uh, to Calvin, you know, he's real. But whenever anybody else is in the frame of the cartoon, uh, Hobbes looks like a stuffed animal. So, you know, is God my imaginary friend? Well, he's you know, certainly uh, kind of like that. I mean, you know, um, I used imagination in my addiction, fantasy. I can use that in my recovery, too. And so uh, I, I think of things like that. Like uh, I have this stress ball at work, and, and I imagine God is taking it and he's throwing it up in the air and laughing because you know, God doesn't get stressed. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and different stuff like that. And I heard one speaker say one time he turns his head to the side and imagine he's got his head on God's shoulder. And so I do that from time to time, you know, imagining that. And, um, and then there's this mantra word I use in my meditation that helps me. So it's just different things like that. Thanks. Yeah.
that's really all the time we have. Um, if we could stand, join hands, and Ed, will you please have a prayer of your choice? Third step prayer. I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.